Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. From me to we. Today we get a glimpse of Paul's prayer life as we get to our part in Ephesians today. And so I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 3. We're going to be in verses 14 to 21. Listen to Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And Lord, we do ask that you would take your word this morning and plant it deep within us. Grow deep roots in your love that we might be anchored right in you. Speak to us this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a seminary student in California, some of you know this, I worked as a mediator for a small Mennonite organization called the Center for Conflict Resolution, and my job was to help people who were coming to small claims court try to resolve their conflicts face-to-face rather than go before a judge to give them a judgment. And as you can imagine, all kinds of conflicts showed up there. I remember the case of somebody's leaves dropping over their fence onto the neighbor's property. The neighbor was angry because the neighbor wasn't fixing that. So the neighbor forced him into court, which I suppose makes sense if you don't like talking to your neighbor. (laughs) Sometimes people were there because payments of one sort or another had been missed, and the only way to get a response from that person was to bring them to court. I, I can understand that. A small business, I remember, was breaking up that two close friends had started, and they couldn't figure out how to split it up. They couldn't figure out how to undo that, mostly because feelings had been badly hurt between the two of them and their friendship, and most of it was over a girl that they both wanted to date. (laughs) That one was tough, but we made it through. Sometimes it came down simply to somebody offering an apology. Sometimes money exchanged hands. Sometimes there was a creative agreement that was put together in order for people to move forward. But how do you help two people on opposite sides of a conflict reach a place of resolution? How do you help two people who are usually pointing fingers, dealing with anger, hurt feelings, injured pride, and lots of challenges, how do you help them come to a place of wanting to seek reconciliation. Well, each morning as I walked into the courtroom, I had a bit of nervous adrenaline going. I never knew what I was going to be stepping into. But as I stepped into that place, I prayed quietly in my heart, Lord, 
I know that you can find a path through these messy situations, but I'm pretty sure on my own, I can't. I need your help. I knew that if God wasn't in it, we wouldn't get very far. You see, God is the author, the expert, and the implementer of reconciliation. God is committed to the reconciliation process. The church, as a body of reconciled people, is God's idea. The church is God's masterpiece, and God will build the church and see his church through. When Paul tells the Ephesian church that he's praying for them, it's really a game-changing moment for them. You see, in this beautiful letter, Paul has announced what God is doing among them as a new church, how he's made one new humanity out of two groups who were once divided and far off and in conflict. The Jews and Gentiles have been reconciled in Jesus, and he has made them alive in Christ. He's broken down the walls that have divided them. God, the master of new life, forgiveness, and unity, has brought the most unlikely people together and made them brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the church. This is us. You see, the amazing news is that Jesus has done the work. The two have become one in Christ. But now the Ephesian church must live into it. As the late Spencer Perkins, author of the book More Than Equals, says, the dividing wall has been torn down, but we still have to step over the rubble. Unity is hard work. It will take every skill, every ounce of faith, every bit of courage we have to engage in the true reconciling work of Jesus Christ, to live in unity as his church, and to be the dwelling place of God in the world. And so in a time like today when division feels heightened, nobody seems to be getting along or maybe even wanting to get along, I think it's with sheer relief that we open Ephesians and read this section that Paul has written For this reason, Paul writes, I kneel before the Father. I'm praying for you, Paul says. I'm on my knees before the one who created this new family. Paul knows that the Ephesian church will need more than goodwill and a try-really-hard strategy to live in unity. Loving neighbors is difficult work. We dare not try it (laughs) apart from prayer. (laughs) We dare not try it apart from prayer. You see, the church finds her life in a different source than the world. The church dips into a different pool of love than the world does. In prayer, we acknowledge that our life comes from God, and only in God is the church possible. Prayer is an act of faith. In prayer, we declare our dependence on God. It's our acknowledgement that we need help Prayer is part of our work, and given where Paul's prayer comes in this letter right here, I would say prayer is our first work. Before Paul tells the church to do anything, he gets on his knees and he prays. Theologians tell us that most prayer in Paul's time was done in the standing position, so for Paul to say, I kneel before the Father indicates something really important here an earnestness, a humility, a submission, a vulnerability before God, an acknowledgement that if God doesn't show up, we are lost. And so what does Paul pray? Paul prays for the church that the Spirit would strengthen them and reveal to them the greatness of God's love. In verse 17, he prays that they would grow deep roots in the love of Christ. He prays that they would be established 
in the love of Christ. He prays that they would be filled with the fullness of God, rooted, established, and filled. I think on any given day, our lives can feel unanchored, thin, near the breaking point, or simply tossed around by the latest circumstances. Paul prays that the church would be rooted and anchored in Christ and filled with the presence of the Father, rooted, established, and filled. Three images in this text help Paul convey the anchoring work of prayer. And so I want to invite you today to open your imaginations and let one of these images embed deeply in your heart. My prayer is that as one of these pictures lodges into your heart that you will carry it with you and that it will prompt you to pray for your own life in Christ and for our life together as a church. So here we go. First, Paul prays that the church would be rooted in love. Image number one is a tree. Picture a tree, maybe like this one, rooted by streams of water, bearing fruit in its time, growing strong and majestic. We often don't get to see the roots of a great tree, but here in this picture, the earth has been pulled back to see the work of the roots, to get a glimpse of what's underneath the surface. Roots grow down into the earth to take in water and nutrients. Roots fix a plant or a tree to the ground, enabling that tree to stand tall and to flourish. As the tree grows, so the roots go deeper. Picture a tree that you know. Maybe it's in your yard. Maybe it's one of these great trees downtown. Maybe it's a tree you encountered somewhere else in your life, but but it's big, it's strong, it's beautiful. Can you picture it? God is planting you deep within the love of Christ, like this tree. When our church kids go to Camp Elam, they're encouraged to pick out a tree on the property. And every morning when they get up before breakfast, they go to that tree and they open the word of God, they read it and they pray. It's called quiet tree. Maybe your kids or grandkids have told you about it. I love that they do that. I think Paul would love that the kids get to do that for a week. Pray and open the word right next to a tree. In Psalm 1, we read that the one who delights in the word of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water, giving its fruit in season. When Jesus explains the parable of the sower to his disciples in Mark 4, he says that only one out of four handfuls of seeds flourish in the places that they are scattered. Jesus talks about the seeds that grow no roots, like Danny talked about. It springs up quickly, but when the sun comes up, it is scorched and withers and has no root disappears. In a like manner, the prophet Jeremiah paints a word picture of the one who does not trust in God, but trusts in man. He says that person will be like a bush in the wasteland, dwelling in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Ugh. (laughs) Don't let that be you. But he goes on, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, or hail, perhaps. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Imagine your life like a flourishing tree rooted and growing in Christ. Prayer nurtures the unseen work that allows our roots to sink into Christ. In prayer, the Spirit works to feed us and nurture us. In prayer, we become receptive to the will of God. In prayer, 
we become open to what God is doing in our lives and in our life together. Paul prays for the church to be rooted like a tree, flourishing, bearing fruit. Find your quiet tree, your quiet place. And in prayer, ask God to plant you in him and be encouraged that Jesus is rooting your life in his love. Now, Paul also prays for the church to be established in the love of Christ. And the image now shifts to the laying of a solid foundation. We're reminded of the man who built his house on the sand and the storms came and brewed and the house was, was swept away by the storm. But the man who built his house on a solid rock, a solid foundation, the waves also came and the storm brewed around it, but the house stood firm. It was established. Image two is a house built on a firm foundation. I kind of like this picture of this rock house. But picture one that you know, a house that stands strong. How are we to weather the storms around us? How do we avoid being tossed to and fro by the next frenzied Facebook post that shows up in our feed or by the hurtful comment that somebody makes about your inadequacies? How do we put our hope in the strong work of Jesus? Paul prays that the church would be established in the love of Christ. Now, our church, First Press, is 145 years old, and I'm confident when, that whoever built these buildings made sure that there was a strong foundation laid so that we could enjoy these buildings. Our prayer is that we, First Presbyterian Church, the gathered body of Christ, us right here, would be established in the Word of God upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might live. And as we pray for the church, Yes, our church, but the church of Jesus Christ around the world, let's pray that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. It may just be as simple as the three little pigs, right? I mean, sometimes children's stories can help us. The pig with the brick house, you remember him? So his house withstands the breath of the wolf, but it also shelters his brother pigs. It takes longer to build. It takes more work. It takes the discipline of planning out. But the foundation is secure, and the message is, be the third pig. <laughs> In Psalm 37, the psalmist prays, the Lord makes firm or establishes the steps of the one who delights in him. How does one delight in the Lord? Can prayer be a delight? Can joy in the Lord produce a strong foundation? Henry Nouwen writes this, and I, and I love this. He says that to pray is to waste time with God. Prayer is being unbusy with God instead of busy with other things. The world calls us to make good use of our time. Jesus calls us to spend useless time with him. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. In prayer, we aren't producing, we aren't proving our worth, we aren't striving to present perfection. In prayer, we discover that the Lord actually enjoys us, that he loves us, that he loves spending time with us, and he wants to be with us. His love for us in prayer becomes a rock of stability in our lives. 
Be established in the love of Christ. If you find that you can more easily access your grumpy pants place when you're serving others, check your calendar. When was the last time you made an an appointment to enjoy God in prayer? Get out your calendar when you get home. Figure out when you will waste time with God this week. Maybe it's today. And finally, Paul prays that the church would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Image number three is a waterfall. The Greek word here is pleroma, which is like a waterfall filling a pond below it or a rushing river that flows by, always filling, always full. Paul prays that the church would be filled with the fullness of God. In prayer, we're immersed in an ever-flowing stream, in the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, a triune relationship of abundance and self-giving love. Other streams that we jump into will eventually run out. They will eventually dry up. But the river of God will never be empty. It's almost more than our imaginations can handle. Such overflow is beyond what we can see in our minds. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. As many of you know, my family is a water family. We love to swim. We love the ocean. We love being in the water whenever we can. Last week, I spent the entire day at Waterworld with our kids When we got home around five, we stopped to grab a snack and then head to our pool, which happened to be open until nine. (laughs) There's something about being immersed in water. It's almost like you enter another world. Now, I know that not everyone loves to swim, so work with me here. But there's something magnificent about the water about seeing the beauty of a body of water before us. When God created the waters, the seas, the oceans, and filled them with living creatures, he made them vast and incomprehensible. There are depths of his world of water that we as humans haven't even yet been able to explore. Creatures we haven't yet discovered. Mysteries of the deep that keep our imaginations open and full of wonder. Isaiah writes that one day the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the seas. Every morning around six o'clock from about May to September, the sprinklers come on in the big field, school field behind our house. And every morning like clockwork, a little bulldog shows up with his owner and the other dogs and his family to play in the sprinklers. And this little bulldog sprints every morning straight to the field to mash his face full force right into the sprinkler head. (laughs) And he runs from sprinkler to sprinkler with his short little legs. It is so funny. I think it's probably his favorite thing that he does all day. It's hilarious. It's our breakfast entertainment. And eventually, the owner has to pull little Fifi away to finish their walk. But when I watch that, I think, that's it. That's the picture of prayer. Sheer enjoyment of the gushing water of God's fullness right in our faces. So maybe that's the picture you'll take home with you today. 
Or better yet, just come over at six in the morning. <laughs> we'll just watch that together. So when you swim, shower, bathe, drink a glass of ice water, stand in the rain, take your dog for a walk in the sprinklers or stare at the ocean, pray for the Lord to drench you with his joy and fill you with his presence. And just a small aside, some of you find it very easy to pray. Some of you struggle more to figure out what words to say in the presence of God. That's okay. If you can't find words, use the words of others. Every Sunday we pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a great place to start. Just pray the Lord's Prayer to the Lord. Or open the book of Psalms. It's really easy to find kind of halfway. The Psalms are the prayer book of the people of God, the ancient prayer book. Pick a psalm. Pray it before God. The prayers of the people of God are plentiful. They flow forth like a rushing river. Jump in. Pray the prayers of God's people. Like a sprinkler in the park, put your face in and experience the overflow of God's love for you. So those are the three pictures I want you to take today. Rooted, established, filled. A tree, a house, a waterfall. Which image grabs you? Which image will you take home today? Which image will invite you to respond to the Lord in prayer? Where's your place, your tree, your prayer place? Where do you pray? When is your time to pray? Write it down. How will you enjoy time with the Lord this week? Maybe today. When my husband Adam was rediscovering his faith in college at the University of Iowa, a friend of his got the Christian guys together in his dorm at the beginning of the school year and he said, hey, how about for the first two weeks of school we meet every night at 10 o'clock up in my room and we pray just to get us started off right. And Adam thought, right, like that will happen. But they agreed to do it. And so every night at 10 o'clock for those first two weeks they gathered to pray. And two weeks turned into two years. And for the next two years, somebody, not always all of them, but a few showed up every night to pray at 10 o'clock for two years. Can you imagine the rootedness of love, the fullness of love, the established foundation of love that happened in those men's lives over that period of time? Adam so desperately needed that practice, but he couldn't have imagined it for even a second. But one day at a time, they met together with the Lord, a place, a time, and a group of guys to help one another waste time with the Lord. As a wife, I am very grateful for the foundation of prayer that was laid in Adam's life. I can't imagine giving a better gift to a spouse. As I close us in prayer this morning, just one last quick note on this passage. Paul prays that the Ephesian church together with all God's people would be able to grasp how high, wide, long, and deep is the love of Christ. How do we grab on to God's love? Paul indicates it takes a community. From me to we. We need each other. In prayer, we hold up one another to the Lord in faith. In community, we lift each other up before the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I close with Paul's final words as he finishes his prayer for the church. Be encouraged by what he prays for us. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, 
according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And Lord, that is our prayer this morning. That we would be drawn by you to your love that we would seek you in prayer, that we would desire to waste time with you, to know how deeply you love us. Lord, as we go from this place today, bring an image to mind that invites us right into your presence. Thank you that you invite us, that you want to be with us. So nurture that desire that we might grow deep roots, be established in you and be filled with your joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.